You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. We are uh, in the middle, actually towards the end of our series entitled Redefined, week number 14. Everybody say 14. Look at the person beside you and tell that person it's almost over, okay? Uh, we, uh, this is the longest uh, series, but you know, this has been good for me. Uh, I'm not sure about you, but I hope that you are enjoying uh, the Sermon on the Mount journey. This is the most uh, famous sermon of Jesus, one of the first uh, teachings that he had in the book of Matthew, and uh, we are unpacking what he meant when he was talking about uh, Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew. Uh, and today we're looking at uh, prayer. Last week we've been talking about judging. How many of you are better judges now, okay? You're no longer judging others before judging yourself, right? If you've missed that uh, uh, preaching, you can actually just go and uh, look or hear it from our podcasts. Uh, download our uh, podcast uh, from either from the iPhone or you may go ahead also uh, by logging onto our website, victoryalabang.org or uh, in iPhone, Victory Alabang app. Today we're looking at uh, prayer, as I said earlier. Uh, earlier, uh, not this week, but about two weeks ago, uh, I'm not sure if you've had this experience if you are driving a car. Um, you know, about two weeks ago, I sensed that my car battery is getting weak. You know how it is, right? You know, you're, you're about to start the car and you, you sense a bit of a delay. It started, but somehow there's a bit of a delay. Something like that, okay? Uh, and, you know, I know that uh, the time for my battery might be near to its end. And so I was asking, Lord, Lord, not now, Lord, not now, okay? I'm not ready for a, you know, because a brand new battery is about six, 7,000, and uh, I'd rather spend that on other uh, expenses for the family. And so about two weeks, uh, for, the, for the next two weeks, every day, I would make sure that in the morning, I would turn off everything before I started so that it will give me a, uh, a good kickstart for the engine to start. And Lo and behold, every time I do it, boom, you know, it's, it's there. And I said, God, thank you so much for, uh, you know, somehow answering my prayers. And so early, earlier this week, it was a Monday, I, we decided to just stay home, me and my family, uh, and just enjoy uh, one another. You know, I was, uh, I, I was just reading. My, my kids were doing their homeschool. Shirley was uh, also taking some rest. And uh, I suddenly remember that I need to start my car that day, but I just remember that it was uh, when it was about 6 p.m. And so I went to the garage and I started my car and the sum of all fears just happened there. It wouldn't start. You know, I actually put in the key and then I started it. I said, God, I, qu- I said a quick, have you ever uttered a quick prayer? So I said a quick prayer, kind of like Nehemiah before the king. Lord, thank you for this car. It will start right now. And I started. (laughs) That's the sound, literally. (laughs) And if you are, you know, if you are driving a car, if you own a car, you know that's bad. And no matter how, what you do, maybe you have a series cable. uh, You can actually ask a friend to just... uh, you know, uh, help jump start that car, but I was, I lost my series cable, so it's not an option for me at that moment. So I, I called a friend, okay, uh, call a friend, okay. I called a friend who's actually a uh, 
an owner of a car shop who happens to be here, okay, <laughs> Gilbert. Uh, and I asked him, you know, what are some of the options that I have? Can I actually charge it or recharge it? And he said, Pastor, pagka namatayan, patay na yan. I said, what? And so I said, okay, so maybe what we can do is order um, a battery. And so he gave me the number of a battery delivery. And so I remember this is the same battery delivery that I actually called about two years ago. And so I remember, you know, how, you know, maybe I still have the warranty of that battery. So I checked in my glove compartment and I looked for some, some papers. Lo and behold, I found the battery warranty and I was checking on the date when I got it and I saw the date very clearly, November 29, 2015. And when I was checking, it was only October. And as far as I can remember, Lord, is this still covered by the warranty? And so I went to the website, and it says there, it really depends on what kind of battery you have. There are some batteries that only gives you 12 months uh, warranty. There are those that give you 15 months, and there are those that give you 20 months, and there are those that give you 24 months. And so I checked the brand. It says Excel in the website. And so I popped open my hood. And I was just praying, Lord, let it be an Excel battery. <laughs> and lo and behold, I saw it was a green battery, an Excel brand. And it says on the cover, 24, meaning 24 months warranty. And so I called the, you know, once I got the details, I called them. And I was just inquiring, am I still covered with warranty? And so... The, the lady basically just opened my database and she knew exactly where I live and she knew the, you know, and she was just checking for the details, what's the uh, warranty number. And so I was giving my warranty number and so I was giving also the number of the OR and he said, sir, indeed, you are still covered with warranty. Okay, and so praise God. They went there uh, after an hour, no, actually after two hours and so they initially brought a bigger sized car battery, which is brand new, but you know, it wouldn't fit my, well, it could fit my car, but my battery is just a smaller one. And so the next day they actually went there to deliver. I want to thank my sponsors. I want to thank the Lord for sponsoring me a brand new battery, which can be good for another two years. Praise God. On the last month, I got fresh new batteries. How many of you know that God is good Amen. all the time? And when it comes to prayer, how many of you have prayed something like that? When it comes to prayer, Lord, thank you. You've answered my prayers. I'm sure you can all relate with that story. That we can all ask the Lord and pray and God will answer. But have you ever had an experience wherein you ask the Lord and pray and stormed the gates of heaven, so to speak. But the answer was negative. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? Fifteen years ago, you've heard my story about my son. His name is Jerome. He's eight years old at that time. Got a sickness called TB meningitis. Two months in the hospital, we were praying. I mean, we were asking. We were seeking the Lord. We were knocking at heaven's gates. Not only our family, but the entire congregation, the church, they fasted with us. We, 
We've tried to ask the Lord to extend his life and to totally heal him. But yet, the fear of a parent finally happened when December 28, my son passed away. What happened in this situation? Same person praying. Same God praying too. Two kinds of prayers. One was answered, the other was not. And as I was looking at this discipline called prayer, is there a secret to an effective prayer? Why is it that some of our prayers are answered just like that, and some of our prayers are seemingly rejected or seemingly turned down or seemingly have received a negative answer. That's exactly what we're going to be talking about this morning. Are you ready for the word this morning? Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 to 11. Just remember this, 7-11. Matthew 7-11. Somehow that is how God wants us to come before him. Open 24-7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you if his son asks him for bread will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, now don't look at the person beside you, okay? Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you so much because you are an amazing, loving God. We thank you, Lord, that even before we ask, you know exactly what is in our heart. Yet you are one who wants to meet with us. You want to reveal yourself to us. I thank you, Lord God, that you are a God who provides. You're a faithful God, faithful and true. Faithful yesterday, today, and forever. And I thank you, Lord God, that you will lift up any burden that our people has, have today, God. We thank you, Lord, that you have already taken care of all that we need, God. Lord, we bless you. Bless the preaching of your word. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would open up our ears and our hearts to receive what you want to speak to us today as a church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Prayer. How many of you have experienced those two kinds of prayer? One with a positive answer. How many of you have experienced that? Can you please raise your hand? You've prayed and God answered. Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you experienced a second kind of prayer? You prayed and somehow it was the opposite. The answer was awry, awry, okay? Okay, look around you. All of us seem to have that kind of a prayer as well. You know, how do we determine this? Now, how, what's, what's the answer here? Have you ever wondered, is there a secret to prayer? Is there a secret to an effective kind of a prayer? I mean, how do we align ourselves to the Word of God and to His will? You know, as, as, as Christians, there is nothing more that reveals uh, in a believer's life than his prayer life. You know, somehow the way we pray reveals who we are 
uh, how we look at God and how we relate with Him. How that individual approaches God and what that individual is willing to ask somehow reflects the views of God for that particular individual. In fact, we frame our requests in accordance to how you view God. If you view God as someone who is loving and someone who is generous, how many of you know that you will just boldly come and ask you know, whatever it is that you need and you will ask Him without finding fault, without guilt, we will just approach Him. If we view God as a stern, moody kind of a God, how many of you know that sometimes it will be scary to ask God? And maybe you will look at God, maybe He's busy, and we look at our earthly dads or maybe the parents that we grew up with, you know, somehow they also give us a picture of who God is in our life. And so if we have been raised up with a strict or a stern or a moody or an ill-tempered kind of a parent, maybe we translate the same view of our parent to God, that somehow we view that God is similar to that, that we need to wait for God to have a good mood before we ask of Him. And how many of you are parents like that? You know, you are moody as well. And your kids have learned how to ask that when mom or dad is in a good mood, it's a time, it's a time to ask. Can I borrow the car? And can I ask for some gas money? <laughs> you know. But if dad or mom is not in a good mood, then they withhold the request and wait for another day before they come and ask from you. Are we kind of like that? Do we look at God as someone who's stern? Do we look at God as someone who's unloving? Do we look at God as someone who's moody or ill-tempered? Do we look at God as someone who's mad at us because we're not able to keep up with His standards? Do we look at God as someone who is kind of like Santa Claus, making a list, checking it twice? He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. Do we view God as kind of like that, dependent on what you do, then you ask. But if you are not a good boy or a good girl, then you withhold the asking. If you want to put up a title here, the title is simply, Ask. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask. You know, these three words, ask, seek, and knock, these are all imperatives written in a command form. When you look at the you know, the way it was written, if you look at the way Jesus preached this to the disciples in the Sermon on the Mount, He was not just suggesting that, you know, when you pray, you can actually ask if you like it or seek if you need it or knock if you're desperate. But He's asking, actually He's telling the disciples, you know, I want you to ask. I want you to seek. I want you to knock. This is actually a, an imperative. It's a command of God, so to speak. And what's interesting is it's not just an aorist command. An aorist command is a command that is given to us only good for a specific time. A command to go to this place is just one time. When God told Abraham to go into the land that I'll show you, that was an aorist command. One time, and then when he reached that place, he settled there. But this is more like a present tense imperative. Meaning to say, continue asking. Don't stop. Do it. 
time and time again. Don't just do it when you feel like doing it. Do it even if you don't feel like doing it. Do it if you feel like you don't deserve it. Do it if you feel like God, even if you feel like God might be too busy. The reality is He's never too busy for us. Amen. Ask, seek, knock. These three verbs in verse 7 basically are found in imperative form. These are commands of God. Simply a command, not just a suggestion. And so we go to verse 7. It says, ask, and it will be what? Given. Everybody say given. Given. To you. Seek, and you will what? Find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. And it seems like one action gives you an opposite or an equal and opposite reaction. When you ask, what do you have? You receive. When you seek, you will find. When you knock, the door will be open to you. I like what the Amplified Version is saying. It says, ask and keep on asking and it will be given to you. How many of you have done that? You've asked the Lord and you kept on asking and you're still asking and you're not tired of asking. Anyone in that particular situation right now? Right. Right, Bodhi? Right. Sorry, I keep on picking Bodhi. Just keep asking, Bodhi. For those of you who are singles, just ask. Ask the Lord, Lord, where is she? Where is she, Lord? Who is she? Ask and keep on asking. Seek and what? Keep on seeking and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. Have you ever tried looking for something that you've lost? Maybe a key or a cell phone? How many of you have lost a key? At least once in your life. Please raise your hand. Isn't that crazy? Even if it's... You know exactly where you put it, but it's not there. I know I place it here, especially if it's the car keys. You're blaming everybody. Where is my, you know, keychain? Where are my car keys? And you find out it's still in your car. It's right there. But you don't stop until you find it. If it's something important that you've lost, you go and seek and you look for it. You know, when you talk about knocking, you don't just knock on wood. <laughs> you know, we have this expression, knock on wood. As if, you know, you will be blessed if you knock on wood. You know, we believe... We don't believe in luck, right? Why? Bad luck daw yun. Just kidding. So you knock on doors. You know, normally doors are meant to be opened. But if it's closed, you knock on it. You don't kick on it, right? So here we see these three things. It's almost like it's a level of our prayer. First level of prayer is asking. Second level of prayer is seeking in a deeper level. Not just asking, but you're now seeking what the will of God is. Maybe the reason why you're not receiving yet what you're seeking, Lord, okay, if this is not happening, maybe there's another thing or maybe there's another way. Or maybe you've prayed for this job. You're asking the Lord, Lord, 
am asking that you give me this job. May it be open, but it's closed. So now you're seeking. You know, maybe it's another job. Maybe it's a business. Maybe, I don't know. And then you move on to another level of prayer, which is knocking. Knocking here denotes seeking entrance. You're, you, you want the door to be open. You're seeking fellowship. So these three are commands of God. Everybody say command. And you know how it is, right? If you don't obey the commands of God, what is that? It's sin. If we disobey, it is sin. That's why there's such a thing as the sin of prayerlessness. And you know, when you pray, I know that all of us are made in different forms and you know, style of prayer. We have, you know, there's, there are some who pray early in the morning. There are some who pray late at night. When you pray, you go to sleep. Lord, something like that, okay? Yeah, there are those that pray, and I think the most effective prayer is just keeping your lines open. It's a 24-7 thing. You don't pray and wait for your room to pray. You can pray in traffic, praise God. How many of you know that it's a blessing sometimes to be in traffic? And if you're alone, you can talk to God. You can appreciate the sky. Not the streets, but the sky. You look up. Right? We just found out that Manila is now the densest population of all the cities in the world. According to the latest figures. I don't know who did the study. An international group. There are 40,000 people per square kilometer in Metro Manila. In Mumbai, which is next to Metro Manila, there are 22,000 people per square kilometer. Manila, I guess, bit Mumbai in terms of population in this city, not in the whole country. In the city. We're talking about the city of Manila. That's the reason maybe why traffic is just so horrendous. You know, you go to SNR, it'll take you an hour and a half. Depends on what time and what season you go there. Especially during Christmas season. But you keep on knocking, you keep on asking, you keep on praying, you keep on seeking the Lord. Next is, you know, let's look at the confidence that we have in God and why is it that Jesus said, ask for those who ask receives, and those who seeks find, and those who knock the door will be open, as if it's a guarantee. Have you ever wondered, you know, I thought it was a formula. Before as I was reading this, and I was looking at this in verse 8, it says, for whoever asks, you will receive. And we've been asking, Lord, we've been asking, and some of us receive. Some of us are not yet receiving it. Why is it that it's a yes or a go for some and it's a no for others? And then I realize that more than a guarantee to, our, to an answer to prayer, it's more of a confidence that we have in approaching God. For whoever asks, definitely you will receive an answer. How many of you know that God answers all the time? It's either a yes, a no, or a wait. How many of you would rather have a yes or a no rather than a wait? I'd rather have a straight yes, no, and then I would move on. But when God says wait, wait for how long? For the Lord, the day is like a thousand years. 
in a thousand years is like a day. Can you imagine the weight that you have to exert? In the Amplified Version, for everyone who keeps on asking receives, and he who keeps on seeking finds, and to him who keeps on knocking, it will be opened. More than a guarantee to, or an answer to prayer is more of our confidence in approaching the Lord. For I know that when I ask, yes, I will receive an answer. For I know when I seek, I know that I will find God. For I know that when I knock, the door will definitely be opened for me. And then he moved on. Jesus moved on to a comparison with God. Earthly fathers. How many dads do we have here in this place? Can you please raise your hand? If you are a father, please raise your hand. How many of you fathers love your children? Please raise your hand. Two hands, right? We love our kids. We love our kids even to the point of sometimes our wife feel that you love them more than her. Okay? We need to love our wife more than our children. At least a little bit more. She's her priority after your relationship with God. But earthly dads, earthly fathers, love His children. And Jesus took the time to compare our heart towards our children and God's, God's heart towards us. And he says in verse 9, Which of you, if your son asks for a bread, will give him a stone? Have you ever done that? You know, maybe you, you, know, you, you did the prank to your children. One of our pastors, I'm not going to mention the name, did a prank to one of his kids. He gave the child an iPhone box. And the child was just so ecstatic about the gift. I'm not sure if it's a birthday or, you know. And so when the child finally opens the box, lo and behold, it was iPhone Air. It's just air. <laughs> Nothing there. <laughs> And somehow the pastor told me that was a bad move on my part. Because my child somehow didn't want to ask for me anymore. And he had to try to repair what he did. You know, sometimes you think that if it's a prank, it's funny. But how many of you know that some pranks are not funny? Especially if it deals with our children because, you know... Their hearts are so tender. Their hearts, you know, you're building their trust. Then somehow they look at you in the same way they look at God. You give a picture of who God is in their life, the way you provide, the way you love them, the way you care for them. And so, good news is, all is repaired. The kid is now boldly asking again, even way beyond an iPhone. But anyway, so... He did great. But who among us, if our children would ask for bread, would give him a stone instead? Or who, if he asked for a fish, will give him a snake? Now, if you look at this bread, fish, this is a common, normal Galilean diet. Remember the time when this little boy brought five loaves and two fish and you know, Jesus used that as a, you know, a miracle, you know, uh, miracle element to feed the 5,000. Remember that time? It's normal for them. 
it's because they live uh, you know, around the Sea of Galilee and it's normal for them to bake bread in their homes. So Jesus is talking about provision here. He's talking about your daily bread. He's talking about your daily needs. And I believe that our daily needs needs done. If you're talking about your daily, how many of you know that God will provide our daily needs? Even before we ask. But yet, why did Jesus say, ask? If God knows what I need, why do we need to ask? Then in verse 11, it says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? Wow. It's almost like an assurance that definitely we have a good God. How many of you believe and know that we have a great God, a good God, one God? Can we just give Him praise right now? Can we, can we thank Him? You know, I like what Bodhi shared earlier. You know, forget not His benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not His benefits. You know, our relationship with Him is attached with a lot more things. But it's not about the things, it's about the person. We're not just addressing today the technique or the style or the elements of an effective prayer. This is really more about the who of praying. And I believe that when Jesus is talking about redefine, many times when we approach God, it's about what we can get. It's about meeting the needs. It's about, Lord, I have a need. I approach you. You're like, you know, you are a provider. Thank you once you receive that need. And that's important. I love it when my children would come to me and, you know, then ask for things. And I would gladly give it to them. But it's more than just us meeting needs for our children. It's about us having a relationship with them, isn't it? And I believe that Jesus, when he was talking about this, more than us getting what we need, getting what they're asking for, getting what they're seeking, it's really about us getting close to the Father. It's about us knowing who God is. It's about us knowing who our loving Father is. It's knowing who this God is, the one who gave us all things, the one who did not withhold Christ. If he did, if he did not withhold Jesus Christ but sent him to die for us, how much more will he not give us all things? It's a given already. But yet he is still saying, ask, seek, knock, because it's all about a relationship more than a technique. Prayer has no formula. There is a model prayer. We talked about that in Matthew chapter 6. This is how you should pray. Address Him as Father. Our Father who art in heaven. Be a, you remember that? Week number 10? Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. It will be done on earth as it is. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive others. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It's all about our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Because we have a loving Father. That's, it's already a fact. And He wants to give us good things. There's nothing evil that He will give to any of His children. Amen. And if you look at our situation, you know, if I look back again at what happened in 2003, you know, I was asking the Lord, and I was asking for the life of my son, I was asking for healing, should I blame God for that sickness? 
Is God not loving to me? Is God not loving to my son? Why did he allow this TB meningitis? And he was in pain. We saw it. We felt it. He was couldn't shout because he lost his speech on the third week, I believe. Is God not loving in that situation? That these are some of the questions that we need to answer. I believe God is still most loving in that situation. I may have asked for one thing for a total healing of my son. But how many of you know if you submit yourself to the will of God, He will probably give you a better... Uh, he will. Not probably. He will give you a better you know, response to your, to your prayers. And I believe that my son Jerome is no longer sick today. He's more alive than all of us. He's enjoying heaven. He's enjoying the presence of God. He's enjoying new life. He's enjoying new creation. In heaven, Revelation says, there's no more sickness, no more pain, no more, no more crying, no more sorrows, no more death. He is definitely in a better place. And for that, I thank the Lord. And I can still pray and agree that God's will is for us to be healed here on earth. I still believe that. If you come today and ask for healing, we'll pray for you, we'll believe God with you, and we'll believe for a miracle for us. But see, it's not just about the asking. It's about the journey. It's about our journey, who God is in our life. Somehow this situation in my life when God seemingly did not answer my prayers, actually God revealed himself more to us as a loving father. That he loved Jerome more than I actually love him. That's the reality. So how do we pray? Very quickly, we need to ask confidently. Just go ahead and ask the Lord. If God knows what we need before we ask, why do we need to ask? As I said, God wants to nurture this relationship with us. You know, somehow growing up as a Catholic, I felt like I don't deserve to ask because I feel guilty, especially if I have sinned. But yet the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, Let us then with confidence draw near to God and receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. Confidently. James chapter 4, verse 2 says, You do not have because what? You do not ask. So what do we need to do? Ask. Now from time to time, Andrea will ask, my daughter, my youngest daughter, will ask for things. Sorry if I use my, the example of my children because I'm looking at the example of Christ. If we, fathers, though I am evil, know how to give good gifts to my daughters. And as my daughter is asking for stuff, I'm wait, I know that she needs something, but more than me buying things for her, sometimes I bring her alongside of me. I said, let's buy it together. Because more than the ask, it's actually the journey that you have with me. I'd rather bring her to the mall or I'd rather bring her to the grocery, whatever she needs, whatever you like. And you know how it is if she's with you or if your children are with you, mas magastos. <laughs> really, you know. 
It's more and beyond what you've planned to buy. More than what she's asking is what you will buy for him. Isn't it, right? I mean, that's how much we love them. And it's a reason why God says, ask. And don't just bashfully ask. Ask confidently. Ask with boldness. Ask as if, in Tagalog, may patago ka. You know, somehow, you, you know, as if you deserve it. Because the reality is, we have been heirs with Christ. This is not something that we deserve because of what you have done in the past, but because of what Christ achieved for us at the cross of Calvary. Come on now. Let's give the Lord praise right now. And then we come to this point, seek diligently. You know, why do we need to seek? If we're asking already, and you know, I'm just going to wait. Why do I need to seek? You know, it is important for us to take note that this particular set of verses have been placed in the middle or towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And if you are familiar with what we've been talking about for the past 13 weeks, we'd be talking about Beatitudes, we'd be talking about character, we'd be talking about how to be a salt and light, we'd be talking about disciplines to giving, to fasting, to praying, we've been talking about do not be anxious about anything, we'd be talking about do not judge. Next week, we're going to be talking about two roads, enter the narrow road. And then we're going to talk about, you know, there are two kinds of builders, the foolish builder and the wise builder. Now, why did Jesus try to put this thing on prayer in the middle of all these character things about the Sermon on the Mount? And this basically is focusing on the kingdom of God. Because the Sermon on the Mount really is a king introducing the kingdom of God to his subjects or citizens, how it is to live in the kingdom of God. So maybe, aside from the fact that God wants our needs met, maybe Jesus is referring to or redefining what it is to ask, seek, and knock. Because when you talk about seeking, I believe that we're just seeking for things. We're seeking for something even more important than things. Are we just seeking for things or are we seeking God himself? Maybe Jesus is saying, don't just seek, keep on seeking. Don't just ask for things, keep on asking. Why is he doing that? He's drawing us near him. He is drawing us to have a relationship with him. And I remember about four weeks ago, because of missions, and we talked about Matthew chapter 6, verse 32. This is still part of what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And he says, For the pagans ran after all these things. They're seeking the things. They're seeking the stuff. And your heavenly Father knows that you need... How many of you know? You know, that's been consistent with what we're talking about. God knows what we need. That's why he said, but seek. And then he used the word seek again. Seek first the what? His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be given to us as well. And I believe that aside from just us seeking stuff, seeking for answers to our prayers, that we are to seek His kingdom and His righteousness. And all the things that we are supposed to be seeking will just be added to us. That is, I believe, what Jesus is trying to redefine prayer. When you talk about prayer, make it the most enjoyable journey that you have with God. More than just treating Him like a vendor machine or a Santa Claus or, you know, or a genie, enjoy your walk with Him. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6, He is a rewarder of those who diligently what? 
seek Him. Only those who diligently seek the Lord will have a reward. And then Jesus, in a few verses after this few chapters, He talked about continuously the kingdom of God. This Sermon on the Mount is about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in the field. When a man found it, he hid it again and went, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. After finding it, after seeking it, finding it, sold everything he had to get that field. Again, the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls, seeking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. You know, you cannot find it really unless you go and get after it. That's the nature of seeking. I am so desperately in love with the Lord. I want to seek you, God. No matter what happens, I'm going to sell everything I have just to get the kingdom of God. There's a sacrifice involved in seeking. Amen. And last is knock persistently. Dug, 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 knock. Knock on the door. When you talk about knocking, it's all about doors. And doors are meant to be opened. How many of you know that doors that are permanently closed is not supposed to be a door? It's supposed to be a wall. Isn't it? Right? When you put a door there in the part of the house, it's supposed to open and close. And the reason why you open it is because you, know, you want people to come in and you want people to go out. And we knock on doors. And some doors are just left open. Easy to open, like a bathroom door. You know, at the bathroom door of Akasha is not supposed to be locked. Unless you're in the cubicle, okay? You lock it, please, okay? But the, the main door, it's just supposed to open. Anyone can go in and out. There are some doors that require keys. There are some doors that are time-locked. Like in the bank, there are some doors that require just your presence and it opens. How many of you would like a house door like that? Kind of like a, you know, a security device. They sense your DNA. Oops, the owner is here. Open the door. You know? But in the kingdom of God, is it like that? God wants us to knock on that door. Doors don't just, don't just open by themselves. You knock it. Not knock it down, okay? to knock when we seek the kingdom God gives us keys to the kingdom he gives you the keys to the, and he said this to Peter I give you the keys to the kingdom not only are you to knock on it but I believe you're able to open it as well knocking speaks of faith and persistence back in 2003 same year that my son got sick was the same year that we were praying for Festival Mall to be open. For a couple of years, uh, Pastor Jojo, the first pastor of the church, they were praying and asking for favor in, in uh, Festival Mall, but somehow it was close to churches. And so what did we do as a, as a church? We were a small group then. We were less than 500 people praying inside a basement uh, near Honda Alabang. And we were asking the Lord, knocking on this door, fasting and persistently praying, Lord, open the door for us in Festival Mall. And finally, it was open. You know the history. We're now there on that side. We're the only tenant on that right side. 
earlier than Robinson's, earlier than, I think Starbucks was there already. But Starbucks is the only store there. And that part of the mall was dead. But when we moved in, how many of you know that you brought life there? Because we have the life of Christ. Come on now. And that part of the mall is even more alive than the other side. The activity is actually right there now. Early in the morning at 9 o'clock, even before the mall opens, almost a thousand people gather to worship the Lord. And by the time the mall opens, those people are hungry. And they want to bless the economy of that mall. Knocking persistently. And God opened the door for us. Luke chapter 11, verse 8. I don't know if we have the time here. We know the story of this friend who was desperately in need of bread in the middle of the night. And the friend is already sleeping. And because of his persistency, the friend was already in bed. His wife was with him and all his kids are in bed. He doesn't want to open the door anymore. But this friend was at the door knocking, asking for bread because of a you know, a guest in the house. And in that culture, if you have guests, you got to feed the guest. He was desperate. And in verse 8, it says, But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. I like that word. Shameless persistence. How many of us will have shameless persistence now that we will approach the Lord? Come on now. Shameless kind of a persistence. Lord, I am not ashamed to ask. In fact, in Tagalog, wala kong hiya. I want to approach your throne of grace with confidence, knowing that you love me, and that you have things in store for me. The value of persistent prayer is not that he will hear us, but that we will finally hear him. It's not about him hearing us. He heard us before we asked him. It's more us hearing his voice. It's more us hearing his plans for us. It's more us hearing our desires. Our loving Father will reward those who persistently ask, seek, and knock. He will reward us. Will we continually to ask the Lord? Will we seek his face will we knock on his door and as I come to an end Jesus himself said I am the door I am the door if anyone enters by me he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture Jesus himself is that door that we are knocking on and he wants to save us he wants to give us a new life. Thank you, Lord. Maybe some of us are here today and we have never entered that door. Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. And He said He is the door. And at the same time, He is knocking on our hearts, not wanting men to perish but, have, but to have eternal life. And if you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, with all eyes closed and all heads bowed down, you can just do that right now. If you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'd like for you to pray this prayer from your heart. In fact, I want to invite the whole church to just pray this prayer. Maybe some of us will be praying this prayer for the first time. Let's just pray. Lord, I thank you that you love me even as I am. But I acknowledge today that I am a sinner and I need a Savior. Thank you, Lord Jesus, 
for dying on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. I confess that Jesus is Lord and I believe that He is raised from the dead. Thank you for giving me everlasting life that you've promised. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.